Growing up, between my grandpa's house and ours, it was mostly fields. And there's always a yearly rotation. One year corn, one year soybeans. And the corn years were pretty cool to me. You see, in the middle of those fields, kind of connecting our houses, kind of loosely connecting our houses, was this winding gravel path. And it it seems like it was about this time of the year when I would be walking that path to go to my grandpa's house and I would just be amazed. Because I remember those fields. I, I remember earlier in the spring, just a few months earlier, right, my grandpa pouring in these tiny little seeds into his planter and doing his thing in the field. And now as I'm walking, there are these stalks of corn that are just towering over my head. I could look to the left and I could look to the right and I would see this tunnel of green and it amazed me. And yet, you think about it, that's what was supposed to happen, right? At least that's what my grandpa would pray every spring would happen. So maybe there was something even more amazing than just the the tunnel of green. This is what I also remember. I remember walking down that path and looking straight ahead in that path and also seeing a few towering stalks of corn. And you understand what I'm saying, right? I'm not talking about in the tilled, fertilized, watered soil. I'm talking about in that hard path, that the gravel path, the path that had been driven on by heavy farm machinery countless times. Somehow, maybe accidentally, some seeds spilled out of the planter as Grandpa was driving it on the road, or maybe some birds had picked up some of that seed and haphazardly dropped it. But either way, some of this corn was growing magnificently in the least likely of places. And that is truly amazing. And I guess I always think of that when I start to study this parable. Because that picture teaches me a lesson. And the lesson is this. The care and the skill of the farmer is, is important. And the preparation of the soil is a key ingredient in this whole process, but there is really nothing like the power that is contained inside of a seed. To be able to grow almost anywhere, that's amazing, isn't it? So with that picture in your head, I want us to think about God's kingdom work. You ever wonder what God's work looks like? His work of leading a person's heart to trust in him. Or his work of taking that trusting heart and and nurturing it so that it grows. So that you can't live without him. And nurturing it even to the point of producing this abundant crop of love for him and for others. What, What does that look like? What does God's kingdom work look like? must be glorious, right? It must be grand. It must be colossal. Is this what you were picturing? Seeds? Seeds that are so tiny that if I just held one, maybe in the back, you, you couldn't even see it in my hand. Seeds that are so common that many of you play with seeds every spring. Seeds that are kind of so insignificant and, and inexpensive that it doesn't matter if you drop a few here and there. Is that what you picture when you picture God's kingdom work? 
Probably not, but interestingly enough, as you saw from the gospel, this is exactly what Jesus pictures when he thinks of the kingdom work. And so today, let that picture stay in your head. This morning, Jesus wants you to see seeds, and maybe not just seeds, but maybe especially those spilled and forgotten seeds along the way. And when you see those things, when you think about those things, then maybe you're seeing just how the kingdom of God works. So today, we're hoping to see how God's kingdom work is like a seed. Let's just refresh our memory of the parable. So Jesus says, A farmer went out to sow a seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell along rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So as Jesus is telling this story, I hope you're not picturing this, right? I mean, that's what we picture when we're planting a field. That's obviously not how things were planted at that time. Instead, we're picturing something more like this. An ancient farmer out in the field in his tunic. He's got a basket of seeds by his side. And as he walks along the field, he reaches into that basket and he just flings the seed as far and as wide as he possibly can. That was sowing. That was planting. So with this kind of picture, there's a key question that you have to grapple with as you think about Jesus' story here. And, and the key question is this. What is the key to the success of this kind of planting? What's the most important thing, if a, if a seed is just going to be flung to, to fall where it may, what's the most important thing for it to be able to grow? And I know what we want to say, right? There's, the, there's an obvious answer. It's the soil, right? That, that has to be a huge part of it. And, and you're right. But there's an interesting thing about Jesus' parable. Let me go back to that, what we just read. If it's the soil, then you need to explain something. Because the exact same thing happened on every single soil, except for when the birds ate it up, then it wasn't even really planted, right? But in the rocky places, what happened? It sprang up. In the thorny places, what happened? It started to grow, and I didn't put it there, but then it was choked out, so it started to grow. In the good soil, it grew. So the soil changed every single time, but the initial result did not. It grew every time. So do you still think the main key to success is the soil? I think there's something even more important than the soil. It's the seed, isn't it? The seed grew and produced no matter where it landed. And, and that's kind of counterintuitive, or at least maybe not what we'd expect, right? Because it's so small, it's so insignificant, it seems accidental almost where it's growing, right? And yet so amazingly, it had the power to grow in every spot. So, if it's so insignificant and tiny, then how is that 
like the gospel? I think it's more similar than, than you might think. Can, can you see it? Think about your exposure to the gospel throughout your life. Doesn't it often seem tiny? Doesn't it often seem insignificant? Sometimes doesn't it even seem accidental? And yet, is it possible through those insignificant, tiny, uh, accidental exposures to the gospel that it could actually take root and grow and produce fruit? Let me lead you through some things. For, for some of you, maybe uh, your parents or your grandparents brought you to a baptismal font like this. When you think about what happens there, it's just a trivial amount of water that's poured over the head. Very short, simple words are spoken, and then usually you go home and you have this big party, and it, that seems pretty insignificant, doesn't it? As you got older, maybe your parents continued to bring you here, drag you here, and you went to worship, and maybe you had to go to Sunday school. And if you're one of those families, and traditional families, you, you even had to go to vacation Bible school in the summer. And it felt, as a kid, right, like very little was sinking into your distracted brain. You sat there, you sang, you squirmed, and then you got to go home and have real fun, right? It seems almost accidental, that exposure to the gospel of Jesus. But you grow up and you're here today and we're all here for, for all different reasons. And you think about what happens on a, any given Sunday. You sing some songs that you wonder, why in the world does pastor pick those songs? And you, you pay attention to the sermon and you're getting the, the main gist of the sermon in between thoughts of what you need to do today. And you think by Friday, you're probably not going to remember a lot of what I said today or what you heard because you're busy people, right? It seems insignificant. One more thing's going to happen today. You're going to come before God's altar and you're going to receive on your tongue this sticky, tasteless morsel that does nothing for your growling stomach, right? And you're going to wash it down with, some, with this unsatisfying splash of wine that's just enough to make your kids wonder why your breath smells like that when you get back in the pew, right? It smells like alcohol. Accidental. You see what I'm getting at? Let's be honest. So often, it seems like our exposure to the gospel is insignificant. It's tiny, almost like seeds that are just flung and they fall where they may. But I guess what you, I want you to think about today, I want you to really pause and think about what has happened in your heart through each one of those exposures. Without even knowing it, right? Without doing anything to help it. In fact, in spite of our sinful natures, in spite of our wandering minds, in spite of our boredom and our cynicism, in spite of the fact that very often we are all four different kinds of soils, Right? So often when we think of this parable, we think, which one am I? I hope I'm the good soil, right? And that person's this soil. The truth is, we can be any of these soils. Rocky, weedy, the path, good soil, at any different time, right? So in spite of all that, what happens? The word works. Look at you. Praise be to Jesus that he has used those exposures 
to lead you to trust in him as your hope of salvation. Praise Jesus that he has used those things, those seemingly insignificant things, but so powerful to grow your faith in him to the point that you cannot live without him. Praise Jesus that he has used those things to produce this, this wonderful harvest of love for him and for one another. Why is that? That's because these seemingly insignificant events are not. They're seeds, right? They're seeds of the gospel. They're the good news of Jesus at work, the good news that he has done everything that God has required for salvation. He lived perfectly in your place and he was the substitute to pay for your sins on the cross. So in spite of what it seems, these things are not insignificant, are they? These seeds of gospel are powerful. They're the power of God for salvation. As we heard in the first reading, they're like the rain and the water, or the rain and the snow that come down and they water the earth and they always accomplish what God desires. These gospel seeds are powerful. And I'm looking at living proof of just how powerful that is. And so that's what I wanted to concentrate mostly on today, is sometimes just looking at this parable and just being amazed. Just falling on our knees and thanking Jesus for the powerful work that he does in our lives through the gospel. So then... The next obvious application to our lives, then, if it's so powerful, what do you do with it? You use it, right? Plant it. Plant it in yourself. Plant it in the people around you. Plant the powerful seeds of the gospel. Just some closing encouragements. Don't worry about people's cynical smirks when you bring your baby and have a little bit of water applied with God's word. Don't worry about that. Do it anyway because you are planting the seeds of the gospel. Parents of young children, I know that when your little ones are squirming in the pew and they're making a ruckus and it feels like everybody's looking at you and you're so conscious, don't worry about it. First of all, we're so happy you're here and we don't care. But do it anyway because you're doing something important. You're planting the powerful seed of the gospel. When your teens are rolling their eyes because they don't want to get out of bed or you say it's time to have a devotion over supper, don't worry about that. Do it anyway. You're planting the seed of the gospel. When you're talking to your neighbor or your coworker, and for whatever reason Jesus comes up and you are so excited about how important he is to you and you want to share that and their eyes seem to glaze over, don't worry about that. Keep sharing Jesus. You're planting the powerful seed of the gospel. And as we come together as a congregation and it feels like it's such a low-yield harvest as we reach out to our community here, don't worry about that. Let's keep reaching out because we're planting the seed of the gospel. And the reason I started with us personally is so that we know that it works. We are living proof. We have seen how it works in our lives. And so we know how powerful it is. There's nothing insignificant about the seed of the gospel. Let's keep planting it. When I was walking through those fields uh, on the way to my grandpa's house, he always 
gave me this saying to, to remember. And maybe some of you have heard this too. It's a pretty common saying, but man, I, I took this and I was like watching for my grandpa, right? Knee high by the 4th of July, right? You've maybe heard of that. The corn has to be knee high by the 4th of July and it's doing well. And I remember teaching that to my kids as we'd drive by fields and like they would judge it so hard, like, oh, that's not going to be knee high. Or, wow, look at that, it's way past knee high. It's just a cool way to appreciate farmers and appreciate the power of, of a seed, right? I don't have a fancy saying to give you, but I hope that's what we can do every time we open our Bibles. Every time we remember our baptisms and what Jesus has done for us in our baptisms and as, as we come to the Lord's Supper, every time we're in those things, I hope it's an opportunity to appreciate what God has done in our hearts through that gospel and to appreciate the power of that gospel seed so much that we crave it for ourselves and we want to just plant it out there in the world as well. God's blessings as you plant the powerful seed of the gospel. Amen.